Good morning, everyone. I was looking at my phone, and 60-some-odd of us have already gathered, and I know there's probably going to be that many more who will be gathering with us soon. It's good to have you with us this morning. It's good to be here. I wish you were here with us. I wish you were able to be here with us, but uh, we certainly feel your presence, and we hope that, that you feel that as well. I was reflecting, actually, in the middle of the night last night on how to welcome you this morning, and I want to say something about something I say often in therapy uh, with people who are going through a crisis. That crisis is many things. Uh, crisis is a dangerous and scary time. Crisis is a time where we can be afraid and be confused. But crisis is also sometimes an opportunity. An opportunity to learn something about ourselves, to learn something about our neighbors, learn something about our heart, to learn something about our connection with one another. It certainly has been true. I'm not surprised by the connection I feel at Central, but I must say I'm pleasantly pleased that not only are we still connected, but in some ways I feel like we're even more connected to this time and how gratifying that is. And it also seems that this crisis has been an opportunity for our Earth to catch its breath, to uh, show us what it's capable of for the beautiful greening of the world and for the, uh, just the sheer power of Mother Nature out there doing what Mother Nature does. It's so beautiful and what an opportunity to observe and be a part of that. And we hope that you will enjoy and find this an opportunity for you as well to be as a part of this worship. So as we begin, we light this candle celebrating the presence of Christ in us, among us, and beyond us. Now let's sing a few verses of For the Beauty of the Earth. Oh. 
thank you so much to the Moors for uh, sharing with us and to uh, lead us in our call to worship. It's a joy to get to see you all and uh, to get to hear from you all uh, again as well and for you all to lead us in worship this morning. Uh, our scripture reading this morning uh, comes from 1 Peter chapter 1. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with imperishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without defect or blemish, he was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of the imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. For the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks be to God. This morning, we'd like to take a few moments to uh, welcome you and to let you know that your presence, even though maybe distanced right now, is truly a blessing to us. And we want to invite you to pass the peace. Uh, you can do that on your phones right now or on uh, whatever device you may, be, uh, you may be looking at, just to greet one another this morning. It's already wonderful to see so many greetings. Uh, I see the Moors and the Gabbards, to see Steve there and Susanna from far away, uh, Teresa, Gwen, uh, Patty, Michelle, uh, Bob, uh, David, Gerard, Jane. It's so good to see all of you. It's so good uh, to know that we are still connected uh, together, even though we may be uh, far apart right now. Um, also, there may be some of you out there who are visitors, and if you were in this space, uh, it'd be pretty hard to get out of here without a few people saying to you, uh, it's nice to meet you, uh, and how are you doing, and uh, trying to, to get to know you a little better. So we'd love to still get to know you. Um, you can always uh, join us in the chat, even if you're visiting with us. You are welcome to do that. Or you can email us for some more information at info at lexcentral.com. Um, and sign up for our newsletter as well. It's a great way for us to uh, still try to connect with one another, uh, to know that we can be a family of faith uh, in this time together and a support for each other. Um, this week, you probably know, we celebrated the 50th Earth Day. And so this today is a good time for us to remember our place in creation and to reflect on this beautiful and this diverse, beloved community that we share in. So uh, we're grateful this morning that we have a video sent in from Laura Levins, um, and she is going to show us some of the plants in her yard and uh, help us to remember and to think about how we care uh, for the beauty of creation around us and also how God and God's creation care for us. So here's Laura.
so much, Laura and Greta and Felix and, uh, and Justin as well, who did uh, the production for that and uh, also some original music on there as well. So we're so glad um, that you have shared with us this morning and uh, reminded us of our place in creation and uh, given us some comforting words too to know that, uh, that now is a, is a time um, when we can uh, rest on the provisions of the creation around us, remember um, how God cares for each of us together. So um, in that same spirit, um, this song uh, reminds us of uh, our place in creation as well. Um, that uh, though we may find dark and light mixed together uh, in our lives, um, God is always working uh, to bring beauty, to bring hope, to bring peace. Have you seen the newborn dew gleaming in the morn like a rainbow's tiny sea, every color bursting forth. Have you heard these patient trees whispering secrets back and forth conversing with this restless breeze and eons long discourse and if you look at this tapestry you'll find green and yellow
stars warbling in the night the legacies projected This morning I greet you two Sundays past Easter and seven, whew, seven, can you believe, seven Sundays of broadcasting our worship services online because of this necessary pandemic shutdown. I want to begin by saying a word of appreciation to you and to our church, how proud I am of each of you. Our staff have been diligent, compassionate, and caring, and hardworking. They have made this very weird time far more tolerable, and I appreciate each of them very much. And you, our leaders and members and friends, have stepped up. You've called, connected, networked, and found meaningful ways to grow your inner lives, to enrich your home lives, to continue your calling to service. You've prayed for one another, so appreciated by the families that have faced illness during this difficult time. I'm inspired and grateful for you, and we love you very much. You have to be reading the commentaries to catch that. Maybe a rim shot's necessary. Two weeks ago on the Monday after Easter, during a Skype call, our staff was thinking about these 50 days of Eastertide, marking the biblical timeline between Jesus' resurrection that we celebrate at Easter and his ascension on the day of Pentecost this year, occurring on May 31st. After Pentecost, we focus on the gift of the Spirit to empower the church to be the body of Christ in the world. But now... 
It is Easter tide. And this quarantine has caused us all, forced us really, to slow down. Even in a society where if you're willing to pay for it and you know the right numbers to push, you can have just about any kind of food delivered right to your front door. But many of our modern conveniences and allowances have been taken away. Our rhythms have been disrupted. And maybe, it was, as we've already heard in the welcome, this crisis is an opportunity. Maybe this is time for us to reconnect with a slower pace of life, a more natural pace of life that we would suggest is our agrarian cycle. You'll remember that, right? That pace of life experienced by many of you who remember Americans living on the farm or is being practiced by our children and their plotting and seeding projects, putting the seed down into a pot and waiting for it to come forward from the ground. You'll recall those stages, tilling the soil, seeding, germination, sprouting, new growth, maintenance, and finally a harvest, a harvest where we might celebrate and feast together on the surplus, saving some to help us get through the winter, and holding some back in reserve to start the whole process all over again. So where does Eastertide fit into this natural agrarian rhythm? This quarantine has caused me to think about germination, like a seed buried in the soil hidden away, not seen, but active in participation for later sprouting new growth and harvesting. If so, then what we are going through is not abnormal, but necessary, a necessary recalculation on how we can return back to the harmony of our lives being connected to the natural world. Our fast-moving pace has gotten us all out of sync. And it's time for us to slow down with the cycles and the seasons of the agrarian cycle taught every year by nature. Now, this rediscovery has spiritual ramifications. Consider the newly forming Christian community that we heard about being read from 1 Peter. These early Christians <clears throat> were not first-hand witnesses to the life and teachings of Jesus, but they heard about him. And they were so inspired by his story that they were willing to reorganize their whole lives around what he taught and who he was and what gifts he brought to them. It's likely that many of these early Christians were former slaves and servants, not part of the 
ruling class, but of the lower classes of society. Hence, they are reminded that Christ did not purchase them with perishable things like gold or silver, but loved them enough to give up his own precious life for them. And this good news story told them, even in their dire situations, that there is a God who cares deeply for them, knowing them personally by name and calling them to be among the beloved, helping them work toward a better tomorrow of more justice and care and compassion and kindness in the world. This story told them how their acts of service and sacrifice could be radicalized by transforming love. This good news story took away the fear of death, the threat that those in power had used over them to control them. And through faith in Christ, they received and recognized the Spirit of God to live in them, with them, companioning them, empowering them, and leading them, no matter what circumstances would be thrown in their way. And it filled them with tremendous confidence in a totally new, richer, better life. So by examining some principles, backing up to verse 13 and through the reading today, that we find in the middle part of the first chapter of 1 Peter, I've adapted four of them that I see all as tremendous acts of courage. Number one, practice hope with every fiber in your being. What is described as preparing our minds for action in verse 13. Number two, aim for your higher self, what is described as a calling for holiness in verses 15 through 16. Number three, approach your world with humble reverence, what is described as living in reverent fear during the time of your exile in verse 17. And number four, make love your life's highest project. What is described as loving one another deeply from the heart in verse 22. So now let's break them down. The first, practice hope with every fiber of your being, verse 13. The biblical image here is girding your loins the challenge you might imagine to be like, like trying to run fast while wearing a toga. Today, we use the metaphor, roll up your sleeves and get to work. Now, those who have thought carefully about hope teach us that it is not a product of our unwavering optimism or always trying to have an upbeat, positive attitude. But hope really exists on a continuum. Some days, your hope might lead you to believe that you can go out and conquer the world. Other days, you might be showing a tremendous amount of hope to get out of bed and take a shower. I won't be asking if you're thinking of any significant others worshiping with you 
I'm not pointing at Aaron up here. People who practice authentic hope are realistic. They know the contours of despair and worry. They believe in ultimate survival, even while working through temporary frustrations and disappointments. Because the character of their hope is elastic, they have learned how to endure over the normal ups and downs of everyday life. And feeling hopeless is not the end of hope, but are places where hope can really begin to grow down deep, deep into our lives, deep into our experience, helping us build lasting, nurturing roots. Number two, aim for your highest self, verses 15 through 16. Now, this is not a calling to be smug, self-righteous, or holier than thou. Holy, holiness is not as much about piety as it is about self-discovery. It's not about who others think you should be, but wrestling like the patriarch Jacob with God about who you truly are, whom God has made you to be, how God has particularly gifted and brought a unique way of you being you into the world, for indeed there can only be one you. And how in love God is calling you out, calling you to grow into your authentic selves, fully forgiven, fully made whole, fully redeemed in the image of Christ. What does that look like? This image of yourself, Freed, fully in love, to be truly whom God has created you to be. E.E. E. Cummings said, it takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. Tall and short, rich and poor, gay and straight, male and female, non-binary, all colors, all races, all tribes, all children of God's. Can you sit long enough with yourself? in the light of God's love in Christ, who names you blessed. And ask, what does that higher self, better self, truer self really look like? And how am I growing into that image? Number three, approach your world in hum humble reverence. Verse 17, I'm not a fan of this virus. I pray for the day it quickly goes away. But there is one thing it might be teaching the world. For as much as we thought we were masters over this creation, we are being painfully and persistently reminded that we are not made greater than the world, but we are a part of it. Yes, we have a responsible role to attend and care for its flourishing, but if we exploit and abuse the natural world, doing great harm to it, we are also doing great harm to ourselves. 
as believers in the God of all creation, we should unashamedly be advocates of truth and science that helps us appreciate our responsibility of how to live better with the world that God has given us. Medieval church reformer John Calvin taught that God has given us two books of revelation. The revelation we find in the book of scripture and the revelation we find in the book of nature. And how many scientific discoveries have we benefited from by believers in God who were willing to seriously study God's revelation in the book of nature. And despite living in a state that is now home to two museums dedicated to a pre-scientific and antiquated worldview because of a clumsy, cherry-picked, and inflexible theory of biblical authority, we notice that the refusal of religious communities to listen, study, and learn from God's book of nature impacts this tragedy being played out in real time right here in the 21st century, causing all of these current failures. Celebrating Earth Day and having the courage to care for conservation and working for the legitimate use of all the Earth's resources are acts of worship honoring the God of all creation. And one of the greatest revolutions coming perhaps in our lifetime out of all of this mess may be something as basic as how we harvest and process and manage our food supply and our water resources. Stay tuned. You'll be hearing more from me about that later this summer. By the way, did I ever tell you about the time I visited the Creation Museum right next to the um, Cincinnati Airport located in Kentucky? It was several years ago. My brother was here from Mississippi on summer vacation, and he said he wanted to visit the Creation Museum. And I said, well, if you'll pay my way in, I'll go with you because I really didn't want to put up the money for the admission. And there I was looking at all these exhibits about the wonder and beauty of God's wonderful creation. And everything was made out of plaster and cardboard and plastic. Let me tell you something. Your existence within this world is a miracle. Don't ever forget to cultivate awe and mystery and wonder and humility as you live upon this tiny blue dot spinning through space. Finally, number four. Make love your life's greatest project. Now, I know that sounds trite, something you would expect to hear from a preacher, and I'm, I'm almost hesitant to offer it to you, but there it is, right there in verse 22. 
those early Christians, perhaps mostly slaves and servants, found their freedom in this life-giving permission. Don't worry so much about yourself. God will take care of you. So find ways to love your neighbor and your world in this profound demonstration that will reframe your perspective and give you a whole new purpose to occupy your days. Are you frustrated with the ruling classes? So were they. Do you feel overwhelmed by larger forces that are bigger than you? Well, they did too. Do you wish for the old order of power politics to finally pass its way into extinction? Well, yeah. There's that too. But the confidence discovered by these early Christians had been reprogrammed. Not in the pecking orders of the old way, but in the new way begun by Christ as a renewal of the covenant of love that God has made with the world from the very beginning. Where might you find this confidence? It's been right in front of you this whole time. It's in that seed buried in the ground, this small seed that trust in the power of nature because even while tiny and hidden away, it is jam-packed with the power of God. And so are you. Be confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. The words of the psalmist today are from Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all their host by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea as in a bottle. He put the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Now let us pray together. Dear God, you show us through Easter that love is more powerful than death in a way that is all we need to know. We see instances of resurrection all around us, perhaps just in the beauty of the spring, perhaps in the restoration of sick friends or family. Still we falter 
as both scripture passages for today remind us. We have inherited feudal ways from our ancestors and have had our plans frustrated. Again, in these days, we sometimes waver in faith and hope. We cannot sustain Easter in our hearts, especially when some days even God is silent. We must wait upon the Lord. Help us, Lord God, relinquish our illusions of control and realize we will experience resurrection and waiting in living in the now. Help us be patient so we can see hope in each moment as it comes, not in anticipation of a certain or predictable future. Thank you for examples around us for people who wait upon the Lord, not in passivity, but in openness and expectation. They walk through fear and even suffering with a faith that says the journey is worthwhile. They have the courage of patience, so are alive to the moments of Easter as they occur. Make me such a person. Help us all move toward the courage of patience and the faith that ultimately the message of Easter will carry us through. You have given us Easter to show us that the power of love defeats disease and evil and death. We can know that resurrection is not a one-time thing, but happens repeatedly in our lives. Lead us, O oh God, to live in this eternal Easter moment so we can, as the poet William Blake says, see the world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wildflower, hold infinity in the palm of our hand and eternity in an hour. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, okay. As I am the layperson who is uh, participating in the service on the Sunday closest to the actual um, anniversary, I have been asked by the congregation to say thank you, Dr. Mark Johnson, for your 15 years as our senior pastor. Okay, so we should have... Uh, you know, a gala occasion and have speeches and music and such, but anyway, so it, you've got me. So uh, uh, when asked to do this, I knew pretty quickly that there were a couple of people I definitely wanted to talk to. And sure enough, these two people gave me two things, you know, the, the things that they said they would want to make sure got mentioned. And so they're going to be mentioned. And it solidified for me the daunting breadth of tasks and the daunting breadth of talents that uh, uh, tasks that you have to do and talents you have to have. All right. One was a task you took on from your very first day. You had to hit the ground running because we were in the midst of moving from 1644 Nicholasville Road to 110 Wilson Downing. There was packing and moving. There was the new building yet unfinished. There was the transition Sunday to help plan and the upcoming dedication service the week after. The old building had to be gotten ready to turn over to Central Baptist Hospital. And in doing these things, you had to work with a whole lot of new people, church members with their agendas and personalities, as well as architects and contractors. So the energy and leadership skills the pulpit committee had seen in you were called on immediately, as well as some ability to work with others. The other thing that was mentioned is your supportive, gentle care in times of grief, your ability to offer real comfort and strength when there is a death in the family. This is an ability we all want our pastor to have. We are grateful we have a pastor who is able to lead us through rejoicing in marriages and births and has kindness and empathy for those suffering from illness, sadness, and loss. And believe me, Bill and I can attest to that because we have gotten plenty of pastoral care from you, especially the last two and a half years 
when he's had so much, uh, so many surgeries and illness. So we appreciate that greatly, beyond words. So wow, very different kinds of talents indeed. Also, until recently, I served on the personnel committee. So one thing that stood out to me was how long and hard you worked in the effort to revamp and save our child care center, and I don't believe that was in your job description. We thank you for leading us in faith into new alliances and into deeper relationships with African American churches and the wider community of faith, Christian, Jewish, and Muslim. We thank you for speaking out prophetically in favor of inclusion of and justice for those often rejected by large parts of the church, the LGBTQ community, immigrants, and the poor. And we thank you for supporting women in ministry and leadership. We thank you for helping us acquire and keep the wonderful staff we now have who all are helping us stay sane and grounded and connected through this current crisis. We so appreciate your spiritual leadership, especially as reflected in your gospel-based sermons. You inspire us to be Jesus-centered in our individual lives and in our collective congregational life so that we might always keep before us the call to respond to those in need around us and to live in love. And we are thankful for those you brought along with you. We have seen your sons grow into fine young men. We have become friends with your sweet, kind, friendly mother. And we are impressed with your excellent choice of a life partner in Donna, who when she married you is willing to take on a whole bunch of new relationships and uh, who has happily for us become a wonderful member of our fellowship. So I didn't even mention your sense of humor and sense of fun, so that's there too. We appreciate that too. We love you, Mark. Thank you for the 15 years. So I was looking at the order of worship, and when Diane started speaking after her prayer, I thought, okay, I'm in trouble because she's looking at me. Thank you so much for those wonderful, kind words, uh, all undeserved. I also was thinking as I was listening to all this, if ever a guy needed to go out on a high note, <laughs> this is the chance. But uh, it's been a wonderful, fast, and incredible 15 years of working side by side with you. Um, you have made me a better person, a better Christian, certainly a better pastor, I hope a better preacher, but uh, it is my honor to be uh, part of this church and to have had this responsibility with you for the past 15 years. Uh, so virtually, I'm shaking your hand, hugging your neck, kissing your cheek. Uh, thank you, Diane, and thank you, Central Baptist Church. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Diane, for that uh, beautiful prayer and for reminding us about this eternal Easter moment. I think I got that right. This eternal Easter moment that we um, have the opportunity to dwell in even now. So together, let's sing one last song together. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. You'll see the words on your screens.
benediction. May you go gently. May you care deeply. May you use wisely. May you share freely. And may you live thankfully and know that you are in the loving care of our good and faithful creator. Amen. Go in peace. Amen.